went to two Rati Yatras in a row, and something, a frog jumped in. I thought of um, beginning with the um, success to come. And success to come are the words of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, about the chanting of the Holy Name. And with that, to uh, speak about uh, Lord Chaitanya's movement as a whole. Um, um, so I don't know if you all know the success to come, but if you do, then you chant with me. If you don't know, then. Just listen. Cheto darpanam marjanam bhavamaha davagdi nirvapanam Seyakkaireva chandrika vitaranam vidavadu jivanam Anandam burivardhanam patipadam purnam vitasvadhanam Sarvatvasnapanam param vijayate si krishna sankirtanam Just a moment. So, cheta means of the heart, darpan, the mirror, marjanam, cleansing, bhava, of material existence, mahadava akni, the blazing forest fire, nirvapanam, extinguishing, sreya, of good fortune, kairava, the white lotus, chandrika, the moonshine, vitaranam, spreading, Vija of all education, Vadu, wife, Jivanam, the life, Ananda of bliss, Ambudi, the ocean, Vardhanam, increasing, Pratipadam, at every step, Purnamrita, of the full nectar, Asvadhanam, giving a taste, Sarva for everyone, Advasnapanam, bathing of the self, Param, transcendental, Vijayate, let there be victory. Sri Krishna Sankirtanam for the congregational chanting of the holy name of Krishna. Translation. Let there be all victory for the chanting of the holy name of Lord Krishna, which can cleanse the mirror of the heart and stop the miseries of the blazing fire of material existence. That chanting is the waxing moon that spreads the white lotus of good fortune for all living entities. It is the life and soul of all education. Chanting of the holy name of Krishna expands the blissful ocean of transcendental life. It gives a cooling effect to everyone 
and enables one to fully taste the nectar at every step. So the um, here the internal meaning of the chanting is described. Um, how the chanting is purifying the heart and uh, by extinguishing the blazing fire of material existence. Material existence is often described as a davanala, a blazing fire, sansara davanala, idaloka, davanala, the same thing, the blazing forest fire of material existence. So uh, this is extinguished by Shichitani Mahaprabhu. And uh, it is said that uh, the white lotus is somehow or other different than other lotuses because the, the white old lotus opens at night when the, when the moon is out instead of during the day when the sun is out. So this lotus of the Sankirtan movement is opening in the middle of the night of Kali Yuga right? and starts to spread its auspicious influence when actually uh, such a thing would not be expected when it's least expected. Uh, this is happening, then it's the life and soul of all education, vidya, of all knowledge. Uh, and it increases the ocean of transcendental bliss and gives a cooling effect to everyone. I mean, the heart is agitated, heated by so many uh, desires and distractions and uh, so all that cools down. So this this Sikhastikam verse is sort of our anchor today in this lecture. I'm not going to do like a uh, lengthy presentation on the Sikhastikam and give you like the uh, an analysis of the Sikhastikam. According to the commentaries of the Acharyas, uh, I have another plan. But this is our anchor that we are looking at this verse again and again. Uh, we're chanting because we can feel this affliction of a blazing fire in our heart, uh, a blazing fire of material existence within us and around us, wherever we go. And it's very strong, it's totally overpowering, but somehow or other we have faith um, that this chanting can change everything. And it has a cooling effect on our uh, experience. <clears throat> yeah, I thought I'll begin with the Chaitanya Bhagavad. One day the Lord suddenly ordered Nichananda and Haridas as follows. Listen Nichananda, listen Haridas, go out and preach 
my order everywhere. Go to every house and beg in this way. Chant the names of Krishna, worship Krishna, and follow Krishna's instructions. Or, Bolo Krishna, Baja Krishna, Kora Krishna Sikha. It's very famous. Bolo Krishna, Baja Krishna, Kora Krishna Sikha. Um, chant the name of Krishna, worship Krishna, and follow Krishna's instructions. Apart from this, you should not speak or have others speak anything else. And yet, at the end of the day, come and give me your report. I will take up my chakra and cut off the heads of those who will not chant after being requested by you. On hearing the order, all the Vaishnavas laughed. Who has the power to transgress his order? If one serves Advaita but does not accept Chaitanya, then Advaita will destroy him without remorse, accepting the Lord's orders on their head. Nichanan and Haridas smiled and immediately went out on the street. Huh? Krishna is your life, Krishna is your wealth, Krishna is your very life and soul. Oh, brothers, chant the name of that Krishna with full attention. In this way, the two controllers of the universe went to every house as they wandered throughout Nadia. After speaking in this way, the two departed. Those who were pious became most pleased. Some happily said, we will do, we will do. Others said, these two are crazy because of bad advice. You've become mad on account of bad association. Why have you come to make us mad? Many sober and civilized persons have become mad in this way. Nimai Pandit has spoiled them all. As soon as the two went to the houses of those who were not allowed to see Lord Chaitanya dancing, those people said, beat them, beat them. Maybe close uh, other kirtan. <laughs> Very powerful kirtan. Someone said, perhaps these two are, are spies of a thief. They're wandering door to door on the pretext of preaching. Why would a Sujana act in that way? If they come again, we will take them to the king. On hearing such talk, Nichananda and Haridas laughed. On the strength of Lord Chaitanya's order, they were not frightened. In this way, the two wandered from door to door and then reported to Vishwambar at the end of the day. One, one day they saw two drunkards on the street. The two were fully intoxicated and acted like great rogues. There were, unlim there were unlimited stories about the two, for there was no sin that they had not committed. Although they were brahmanas, they were always engaged in drinking wine, eating beef, plundering others' wealth, and burning others' houses. They avoided royal punishment and the notices of the town authorities. They did not pass a day without wine and meat. The two would roll on the street and they would punch anyone they, meet, they met. As people watched these incidents from a distance, Nichananda and Haridas arrived there. Sometimes the two displayed affection for each other and sometimes they pulled each other's hair while cursing. Sometimes they ruined the caste of Brahmanas of Nadia and sometimes under the influence of wine they would speak words, solacing words to someone. 
Every type of sin became manifest in the body of these two, except the sin of blaspheming Vaishnavas. They happily spent their days and nights in the company of other drunkards. Therefore they had no opportunity to blaspheme the Vaishnavas. The assembly in which Vaishnavas are blasphemed will be ruined, even if all other religious principles are observed. If an assembly of sannyasis indulges in blasphemy, then that assembly is more sinful than an assembly of drunkards. A drunkard will be delivered in due course of time, but one who engages in blasphemy will never attain the goal of life. The two punched and abused each other as Nichananda and Hari does, watched from a distance. Nichananda personally asked some people, to which caste do they belong? Why do they act like that? The people replied, O Gosai, these two are Brahmanas. Their virtuous father and mother both come from respectable families. Their ancestors have all lived in Nadia and were all free from the slightest fault. These two qualified persons give up their religiosity and have been engaged in such sinful activities since birth. Considering that they were most sinful, their relatives rejected them. Now they freely wander about with other drunkards. There is no sin that these two have not committed. They plunder, steal, drink, wine and eat meat. After hearing this, the kind-hearted Nichananda mercifully, mercifully contemplated how to deliver the two. How to deliver the two. The Lord has incarnated to deliver the sinful. Where will he find such sinners as these? The Lord secretly manifests himself. Um, people who do not see his influence um, make fun of him. There's a, there's a long purport and, uh, from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta because we're reading here from the Chaitanya Bhagavat and we are hearing a little bit from Srila Bhakti Vedanta. And uh, he just mentions categories of sin. And if, you, if you're writing, you can, uh, can write down it in chapter 13, text 54 of this edition of the Chaitanya Bhagavat, which has, this is Madhya Lila, by the way, Madhya Lila, Madhya Kanta, chapter 13, text 54. There's a long list of all uh, kinds of sins, and it's kind of interesting because I'm not going to read them all, but, but they are uh, giving different categories. Atipataka, Mahapataka, Anupataka, Upapataka, Jati, Brahmsakara, Sankarikara, Apratikarana, Malavaha, and Prakirnaka. Having sex with, one, with one's mother, having sex with one's daughter, having sex with the wife of one's son, these, these three sins are called Atipataka. Killing a Brahmana, drinking wine, stealing, a Brahmana's gold, having sex with the wife of one's guru, to commit these four sins, or to intimately associate with such sinners, is called Mahapataka. There are 35 forms of Anupataka, one for a low caste person to identify himself as belonging to a high caste, two, falsely accuse someone of committing an offense for which the punishment is death, three, to spread false accusations against respectable persons, 
these three are equal to the killing of a Brahmana. I'm just reading a few, you know, to give you a taste of, of the kinds of things that are listed. And uh, lots of things about illicit sex. Gosh, having sex with everybody. There's a whole list here. Uh, to take in others, to take in others' accumulated wealth, to cheating, to kidnap someone, to steal a horse, to steal silver, to steal land, to steal diamonds, to steal jewels. These seven forms of Anupadika are equal to stealing gold. Then having sex with a sister born from the same mother, having sex with an unmarried girl, having sex with a low-caste woman, having sex with the wife of one's friend, having sex with the wife of a stepson, uh, with one's son's wife who belongs to a different caste than the son, having sex with one's maternal aunt, having sex with one's paternal aunt, having sex with one's mother-in-law, having sex with the wife of one's maternal uncle, having sex with the wife of a priest, having sex with one's sister, having sex with the acharya's wife, having sex with a woman who is under one's shelter, having sex with the queen, having sex with the woman who given up household life, having, with the sex, having sex with the wife of a learned brahmana, having sex with a chaste woman, having sex with a woman of a higher caste. These 19 forms are equal to having sex with the wife of the spiritual master. Well, for all these, there are, uh, there are all kinds of uh, reactions, obviously, various uh, Halley's kinds of reactions. So, uh, this was the sex part, but there's also the killing part. <laughs> so, uh, there are lots of nice varieties of sinful activities, and all these sinful activities simply become destroyed by chanting the holy name. So, it's very powerful, uh, the chanting of the holy name. And therefore we should uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe somehow or other we also became involved in a few activities that were not really uh, okay and some of these things might be on this list and we never even thought much about it but somehow or other uh, it all doesn't matter. It will all be purified by chanting. So I'll carry on with the verses. The Lord secretly manifests himself. People who do not see his influence make fun of him. If the Lord bestows his mercy on these two, then the whole world will know his glories. If I can reveal Lord Chaitanya to them, then I, Nichananda, will be known as Lord Chaitanya's servant. Now they're fully intoxicated and they do not know themselves. If only they could become intoxicated like this one under the influence of Krishna's name. If the two cry as they say, O oh my Lord, then my wandering will be successful. If persons who previous to bath in the Ganga with their clothes on, when they touch the shadow of these two, consider themselves as purified, as having taken bath in the Ganga by seeing them, then my name will be remembered. The glories of Sini Chananda Prabhu are unlimited. He is incarnated to deliver the fallen souls. After contemplating in this way, the Lord said to Haridas, O Haridas, look at their miserable condition. Although they're brahmanas, their behavior is most abominable. 
these two will not be able to avoid the punishment of Yamaraj. When you were beat practically to death by the Yamanas, you thought about even their welfare. If you think about the welfare of these two, then they will certainly be delivered. The Lord never neglects to fulfill your desire. This truth was personally disclosed by the Lord. Let the entire world see Lord Chaitanya's influence when he delivers these two. Just as the Puranas sing about the deliverance of Ajamil, now let the three worlds directly see such pastimes. Haridas knew well the glories of Nichananda Prabhu, therefore he could understand that the two were already delivered. Haridas Prabhu said, Listen, O Mahasai, your desire certainly is certainly the Lord's desire. You deceive me just as one deceives an animal, and in this way you repeatedly teach me. Lord Nichananda smiled and embraced Haridas, and then he softly spoke as follows. Let us go and inform these two drunkards of the Lord's order that we are carrying around. The Lord's order is for everyone to worship Krishna, but this is especially meant for the most sinful. Our responsibility is to simply repeat the Lord's order. If people do not follow, that is his responsibility. Thus Nichiren and Haridas went to inform the two of the, of the, of the Lord's order. Saintly people prohibited them, saying, Don't go near them. If they catch you, you will lose your lives. We hide inside the house and tremble. How can you dare to approach them? These two have no respect for sannyasis. They've killed unlimited brahmanas and cows. Nevertheless, the two Prabhus chanted the name of Krishna and joyfully went before the two. They came only close enough to be heard and then loudly informed them of the Lord's order. Bolo Krishna, Bhaji Krishna, Loi Krishna Nam. Krishna Mata, Krishna Pita, Krishna Dhani Pran. Say, Krishna, worship Krishna, and chant the names of Krishna. Krishna is your mother, Krishna is your father, and Krishna is your life and wealth. Tomasava Lagiya Krishna Krishna is incarnated for your benefit. Therefore, give up all sinful activities and worship Krishna. On hearing their call, the two turned their heads and their eyes became red with anger. After lifting their heads and seeing the form of the sannyasis, the two ran toward them, shouting, Catch them, catch them! Nichananda and Haridas quickly ran away as the two rogues chased them, shouting, Stop, stop! Abusing them with hard words, they chased behind the two Prabhus, who ran away out of fear. People said, We warned them before. Now these two sannyasis are in danger. All the atheists smiled and thought, Lord Narayan has given proper punishment to those import impostors. The Pious Brahmana said, Save them, Krishna, save them, Krishna. They then left that place in fear. The two rogues chased them as the two lords ran away. Although the rogues declared that they had caught them, they were unable. Nichananda said, We thought it would be good to turn them into Vaishnavas, but we will be lucky if we survive today. Harida said, Oh Lord, what can I say? Today I will die prematurely because of your ideas. Because you've tried to give Krishna's instruction to drunkards, we've received proper punishments, almost losing our life. Speaking in this way, the two lords laughed and as they ran away. The two rogues chased after them while shouting abusive words. The two drunkards had fat bodies, so they could hardly walk, yet somehow they ran swiftly. The two rogues said, Oh brother, where will you go? How will you escape Jagai and Madai today? You do not know that Jagai and Madai live here. Wait a moment and see who's behind you. Hearing these words, the two lords ran in fear as they called out, Save us, Krishna, save us, Krishna, hey Govinda. 
Haridas said, I cannot go further. Why did I knowingly come with this restless person? Krishna just saved me from the wrath of the Yavanas, and now today I will lose my life due to your mischievous nature. <coughs> Nichananda said, I'm not a restless person. Think carefully, it is your Lord who is agitated. Although he's a Brahmana, he gives orders like a king. On his instruction, we preach door to door. He gives us orders that we, that we never heard before. And as a result, people call us thieves and hypocrites. If we disobey his order, we'll be ruined. And if we follow his order, this is the result. You do not admit your Lord's fault, although we both spoke to them. You accuse me of being at fault. In this way, the two Prabhus, engaged in blissful quarrels as they watched the two rogues chasing them, become confused. They ran towards the Lord's house while the two rogues rolled on the ground being intoxicated by wine. Unable to see the two Prabhus, the drunkards gave up the chase and eventually began to push and shove each other. Being intoxicated by wine, the two could not remember a thing about where they were before and where they were now. After a while, the two Prabhus looked back and could not see where the rogues had gone. The two felt pacified and embraced each other. They laughed and, and then went to see Vishwambar. The lotus eye Mahaprabhu was sitting. The limbs of his body were so beautiful that his form bewildered even Cupid. He was surrounded by the Vaishnavas, who were discussing topics of Krishna amongst themselves. The Lord joyfully discussed his own glories in that assembly, just as the Lord of Swetadvip did in the association of sages headed by Sanaka. At that time, Nichanan and Haridas came before the Lord and reported to him what had happened that day. Today, we have seen two strange persons. They were great drunkards, yet they called themselves Brahmanas. We nicely requested them to chant the names of Krishna. In response, they chased us, yet we fortunately survived. The Lord said, Who are those two? What are their names? Why, why would Brahmanas engage in such activities? Gangadas and Srivas, who were sitting before the Lord, began to relate the sinful activities of those two. O oh Lord, the names of those two are Jagai and Madai. They are the sons of a pious Brahmana, and they were born here. Due to bad association, they have developed such mentality. They have been attached to drinking wine since their birth. Since their birth. Everyone in Nadia is afraid of these two. There is no house that has not been plundered by them. There is no limit to sinful activities, to their sinful activities, O oh Lord. You know and see everything. The Lord said, I know these two fellows. If they come here, I will cut them to pieces. Nichananda said, You may cut them to pieces, but I will not go out as long as they are there. Why do you break so much? First get these two to chant the name of Govinda. A pious person naturally chants the name of Krishna. But these two do not know anything other than sinful activities. If you deliver these two by awarding them devotional service, then it will know that you are Patitapavanam, the deliverer of the fallen. The deliverance of these two will certainly be more glorious than the deliverance of me. Viswambar smiled and replied, They were delivered the moment they got your darshan. You're so concerned for the benefit that Krishna will soon arrange for their well-being. On hearing these words from the lotus mouth of the Lord, all the devotees chanted, Jai, Jai, Hari, Hari. They were all convinced that the two were already delivered. Haridas then went before Advaita and spoke as followed. The Lord sends me with this restless person. He leaves me behind. And who knows where he goes? During the rainy season, there are many crocodiles in the Ganga, and he goes swimming in the waters to catch them. In great anxiety, I call him loudly from the river bank, but he continuously floats around in the waters of the Ganga. 
If he sees some boys, he comes out of the water and chases them to beat them. When their parents come with sticks in their hand, I fall flat at their feet and send them back. He steals butter and yogurt from, cow from the coward man and flees, and they catch me and want to beat me. Whatever he does is unreasonable. When he sees an unmarried girl, he tells her, marry me. He rides on the back of an ox and declares that he is Mahesh. He takes milks from others' cows and drinks it. When I try to teach him something, he abuses me and says, What can your Advaita do to me? And Sri Chaitanya, whom you consider the Lord, what can he do to me? I have not said anything about this to the Lord, but today my life has been saved by providence. There were two great drunkards lying in the street, and he went before them to preach Krishna's instructions. In great anger, they rushed to kill us. It's your mercy that our lives have been saved. Advaita smiled and said, This is not all astonishes, for drunkards should associate with drunkards. It is befitting that the three drunkards were all together. But being a celibate, huh? why were you there? Nichalanda will make everyone intoxicated. I know his character very well. Just see, within two or three days he will bring these drunkards into our assembly. While speaking in this way, Advaita became overwhelmed with anger. Without any closing on, he spoke with great emphasis. Everyone will hear about Lord Chaitanya's devotional service to Krishna, and they will see his potency, how he dances and chants. You will see tomorrow how Nimai Nitai will bring the two drunkards and dance with them. They will make the two equal to us, and we will have to run away to save our caste. On seeing Advaita's angry mood, Haridas smiled. He was convinced that the drunkards would be delivered. Who has the power to understand Advaita's word? Only Haridas can understand them. Many sinful people take the side of Advaita and criticize Gadadhar. They will be burned to death. Any sinful person who takes the side of one Vaishnava and blasphemes another Vaishnava is certainly ruined. It carries on and I will also carry on. <clears throat> so, at one point, Lord Chaitanya, at one, he sends them out again and when Nichananda comes before Jagai and Madai again. Madai then hits Lord Nichananda um, with the pot. And Nichananda remains calm. Lord Chaitanya appears there. Uh, and, but just before the Lord appeared, Jagai stopped Madai. Hmm? Jagai stopped Madai and said, Why did you do that? Why did you, what did you have to hit Nichananda for? Why did you do that? He's a saintly person. He's innocent. How could you just attack him like that? So, then later, Lord Chaitanya appears, wants to kill both the brothers. But Lord Nichananda said, No, wait, wait. Jagai, Jagai saved me. He stopped Madai from beating me again. Lord Chaitanya's mood immediately changed, and Lord Chaitanya embraced Jagai. In that embrace, Jagai became totally ecstatic. Jagai just became filled with symptoms of love of God. And as a result, Jagai was uh, rolling on the ground in transcendental ecstasy. And meanwhile, Madai was looking and Madai was saying, but 
he did what I did and I did what he did and why is he getting this mercy and why am I not getting? And then Lord Chaitanya said, you, you are the greatest sinner. You are the greatest sinner. A million times more sinful than, than Jagai. Because you have attacked Lord Nichananda. Mm. And uh, only Nichananda can forgive you. So then Madai fell at the feet of Nichananda. And Madai, uh, Nichananda then was picked up, uh, Nichananda picked up Madai, embraced him. And then Madai was also delivered. So, first of all, why did Jagai stop? Why did he stop his brother? That is one question. So that question is answered in the following way, that Jagai and Madai, they had many times heard the kirtan. Because Lord Chaitanya, after all, was present and his devotees were going all over Navadvip. So they'd heard the kirtan going around. And Jagai had actually one day said, they actually sing quite nice. He had appreciated the singing. He actually liked the kirtan. And because he liked the kirtan, therefore at that very moment when, when Madai hit, he had the, the benefit from that chanting. And therefore, he stopped Madai. Madai, meanwhile, although he was given love of God, and although Lord Nichananda forgave him, Madai could not forgive himself. So Madai was still feeling guilty for a long time. And even Nichananda explained to him one day, he said, Madai, he said, like, you know, see it like this, from my perspective, uh, you are like children. When a child hits his father, father doesn't take it very serious. He said, I don't take it very serious that you hit me. It's not like a big thing. But Madai could still not forgive himself because Madai said, I've offended so many people and I was so intoxicated, I don't even know who I offended. So how can I beg them for forgiveness? Then Lord Nichananda said, okay, Make a bathing ghat, and all the pilgrims that come to the Ganga, you, you welcome them and you wash their feet. And in that way, by serving the Vaishnavas, you will be delivered from all those unknown offenses that you have made. So, um, why am I beginning with this story of Jagai and Madai and Lord Nichananda? is because the, we see that um, this element of, of the mercy, of the holy name, comes in. And that in the chanting, there is this element of, of sharing the mercy. And it's there where the, where the holy name becomes really ecstatic. It is there where one becomes intoxicated. Nietzsche Nanda means Nietzsche Ananda means always happy. It is said that Lord Nietzsche Nanda is 
more merciful than Lord Chaitanya. And why is it so? The reason is, is because Lord Nichananda, he is always worshipping Lord Krishna, Lord Chaitanya. And because he is taking up that position of a devotee who worships the Lord, therefore he becomes more blissful than Lord Chaitanya. And this love of God then overwhelms him to such an extent that he is as if intoxicated. And if Nichananda is like, like that, in intoxicated states, that's why it's described he's like drunk. Nichananda is drunk. And that's why he's a drunkard. And because he's intoxicated, Nichananda cannot see who is qualified, who is not qualified. So, therefore, he doesn't judge like that. He's too intoxicated. He just gives it to anyone, this law. So besides the fact that we need the mercy of Lord Nichananda, I also wanted to point out that uh, the chanting of Hare Krishna is, is becoming especially uh, yeah, especially electrified or magic when it is part of of, of bringing it to people who are uh, destitute, who are suffering in this world, who are really like, you know, lost. And if one somehow or other can give the holy name to such people, uh, then it becomes most ecstatic. So here I'm starting from a, a book from uh, Hayagriva, later in the last part it was like Hayagriva Swami, who uh, wrote this book, uh, Hare Krishna Explosion. And uh, he's writing about a meeting with Prabhupada, Allen Ginsberg, and there was a program. So Allen Ginsberg had already been talking to Prabhupada and uh, they're preparing for the program and uh, they have to do some work on the... Uh, they want to use two harmoniums so they want to tune them so that they are the same. So, yes, we have to work on the music boxes, Alan says. We have to start material preparations for the evening. That is not material, Prabhupada says, smiling. Here we have nothing material. Ah, yes, Shabda preparation. Uh, Shabda, transcendental sound. Alan corrects himself. Shabda is original and spiritual. Shabda Brahman. We have to understand that there is nothing material. Everything is spiritual. That must be our vision. Jai, Alan claims. Jai Sri Krishna, Prabhupada says. We offer Prabhupada basis. Then take the harmoniums out on the porch for tuning. A pause. I quickly see the error in scheduling the 750-seat Hitchcock Auditorium instead of the basketball court. The front doors are blocked, jammed with students, crowding sidewalks and stairs, insides, all seats are taken. 
But students squeeze into the clearing below stage and along the aisles and balconies, all in violation of the fire codes. They clap hands about and shout and wave incense sticks, strawberries and frangipani. It's not typical. It's not a typical OSU yoga society meeting. It's a university. It's a Midwestern be in, a gathering, a happening. It's Haight-Ashbury's two years later. Ranadir and Rishikesh run in circles trying to distribute Bhagavad Gita. It's too, too chaotic to try to post devotees at the door. Instead, we press through the crowds to sell books. We're number one, we're number one, the students begin chanting. Krishna's number one, Alan says as we climb into the stage with the harmoniums. The cheering gets louder as Alan begins regulating the microphones. Hare Krishna, testing. I notice some of my freshmen in the front rows. I've assigned an optional, High uh, Grifo was a professor, right? So some of his students. I've assigned an optional 500 word team based on the meeting students. Students sit knee to knee in the aisles. Someone brings folding chairs to the side stage for faculty. Devotees arrange roses and buttercups from Nuvindavan around the days. About 2,000 made it in, Prajumna tells me. They've closed off the doors now. Alan pumps out his familiar hurdy-gurdy harmonium drone. He sits on a mat on the floor, one microphone buried in the harmonium keyboard, another in his beard. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Alan chants, his voice loud and heavy, chanting the same tune he chanted two years ago in the Avalon Bell, uh, Avalon Ballroom. But now he's not chanting to drug hazy hippies and hell's angels. The healthy corn-fed faces of blonde, blue-eyed Midwesterners are chanting back. By the time Prabhupada arrives, all the students are chanting. He enters from behind the stage, heralded by devotees carrying flowers and incense, clashing cymbals, pounding merdangas. As he walks up the platform and sits on the dais, Alan brings the chant to an end. Very good. Don't stop. Go on with the kirtan, Prabhupada says. A devotee hands Prabhupada his symbols and Alan asks him to lead. Prabhupada draws himself erect. Ching, ching, ching. The symbols clash. His brow furrows in concentration as he chants Vandeham, Sri Krishna Chaitanya and then Hare Krishna. His melody, slower and not as showy as Alan's, is easier to follow. The students pick it up quickly. Prabhupada stands and raises his hands, inviting the students also to stand and dance. The response is immediate. Students in the aisles are first to their feet and then students in the rows and balconies arise. There is little room for dancing. A spontaneous bounce catches, catches a hold instead. As Prabhupada bounces on the days, the students bounce also. As he waves his arms, they wave theirs. He leads them as a maestro conducts an orchestra until gradually the inherent spiritual rhythm of the mantra itself prevails. We can no longer hear Prabhupada. Just the chanting, the clapping, the pounding on chairs. As in a dream, I see my students before me dancing and chanting in ecstasy. Sandra, Sandra Hunsecker, nursing major, clapping, her eyes closed. <coughs> Jeff Horner in agriculture, chanting so loud. I see blue veins pop in white skin. Pretty buxom, fresh scrub Marilyn Butler, swaying to Sanskrit rhythms. Prabhupada throws marigolds from his garland. The students shout, here, here and scramble for the gold prizes. Alan continued, pumping the harmonium. 
his head wacking back and forth, sweating on the delights, the devotees pounding medangas, the symbols still heard over, sorry, over the chant, but loudest of all the young voices empowered by the mantra, not even knowing the meaning of the words. Then somehow, as remarkably as it all began, it all ends, and Prabhupada's amplifies voice echoed the praise of the Guru. So something about about the magic of of uh, sharing the holy name and where it takes another dimension. Um, of course, the times have changed very much. Um, um, a few weeks ago, I was in New York and I I went to the tree in Tonks, Tonkin Square Park, and actually. I went there a few years ago, uh, and I always make it a point when I'm in New York to visit that tree. And I'll tell you why, because a few years ago I was there, and uh, yeah, I felt inspired, you know. I always liked that particular moment where Prabhupada went into the park and started chanting and to Krishna consciousness in that way. To the world, and uh, so I used to long ago. I was in Vindavan in the late seventies as a manager, and I had a picture of that uh, of Prabhupada chanting under that tree in my office, and I looked at it for a long time. So anyway, a couple of years I went to the tree. A couple of years ago I went to the tree, and uh, in Vindavan you have a lot of devotees who are tree huggers, you know. Uh, uh, we can say Lord Chaitanya did that. So it's a big thing, you know, like devotees, they go and they hug the trees, because they're supposed to be desired trees, and then they pray for pure devotional service. Right? So I never did it in Vrindavan, but when I was there in the Tonkin Square Park a few years ago, I thought, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> So, you know, I stood there and I gave the tree the full hug, you know, and I prayed. And I prayed for the power to spread Krishna consciousness. So, okay, after I turn around and there's a boy standing under the tree. And he says to me, what do I have to do to become a monk like you? <laughs> so, I tell you, believe it or not, that tree is a desire tree. If you have any doubt about it, let this story stand as the proof. Right? So if you're ever in New York, don't forget, go to that tree, give it a hug. Don't care if people are watching, let them watch, just do it. Right? You know, be crazy for once and hug that tree and pray, you know, your heart's desire, it will be fulfilled. Pray for the right thing. Right? But such a thing it is, a desire tree. Now I don't know if that tree came originally down from the spiritual world with Prabhupada uh, and was just waiting there for Prabhupada to, uh, to go there to the Tongan Square Park. I don't know. Or I don't know if Prabhupada transformed that tree in a desire tree. But that doesn't matter. You know. A desire tree, it is 
indeed. So, with the story of Jagai and Madai, with the story of a kirtan event um, where everyone was just chanting and chanting and chanting from the heart, um, although they were totally new, that was something, you know, like that Hayagriva could never forget. That wound up to be a highlight in Hayagriva's book, in Hayagriva's life. Something, a miracle, right? When he saw all his students, because he was a professor in that university. And it's like in Midwest, you know, like it's kind of... New York, people are a little bit avant-garde, you know. San Francisco, you know, they were all hippies. But these, these were farmer's sons, you know, blue-eyed, blonde-haired guys who were like, you know, your healthy corn, corn-eating, all-American, happy-go-lucky, colored cornflakes boys, who, you know, certainly wouldn't like suddenly chant Hare Krishna. But these, these boys, right, and girls, that they suddenly were chanting, and he knew their names, and he knew them, and I agree, but just couldn't believe his eyes, you know. I mean, you know, huh? he gave some names, you know. Not freshly scrubbed Marilyn Butler, you know, or, you know, Sandra Hunsaker. She's a, like a nursing major, you know what I mean? It's very serious. <laughs> Come on, you know. Or Jeff Horner, you know, Jeff Horner. He's a farmer, he's like studying agriculture, and he's chanting so loud that the blue veins are popping out of his white skin. <laughs> so, just, just quite amazing. Right? So, this is, is an element of the chanting, you know, which cannot be replaced by anything. Yeah. Um, now, that can be done in so many ways. Um, when Lord Chaitanya's movement began, the chanting actually started before Lord Chaitanya appeared. Although Lord Chaitanya is glorified for inaugurating the Sankirtan movement, it's actually not starting there. The, the Chaitanya Chandradoy Natak is uh, Chaitanya Chandradaya the merciful moon of Chaitanya, Chaitanya Chandradaya, the merciful moon of Lord Chaitanya, and Natak means a drama. So this is a drama written by Kavi Karnapur. It has about 70 actors in it, and this drama is very famous as an authorized biography, according to Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is authoritative for us. So, Chaitanya Janaray Natak in this way is authorized. And there, in the Chaitanya Janaray Natak is a story. And the story is about Srivas. And it says that Srivas, Srivas Thakur, when he was a young man, he was not exactly, uh, well, what shall I say, uh, a very 
well-behaved Brahmanas. Srivas was the party type, if you know what I mean. And Srivas was partying here, there, and everywhere. And, uh, yeah, he never missed a Saturday night, you know. <laughs> Nor the Sunday, and even on the Monday. Somehow or other, he managed to keep it going. But then, uh, then, some astrologer, some astrologer made a prediction and said, O oh, Srivas, you are such a fool. You are wasting your life while in one year from now you will meet your end. And you know, these astrologers, I mean, some of them are quite quite good, and Srivas, somehow it hit him. It really hit him. He was quite convinced it's true. The astrologer even gave the time when it was supposed to happen. The day, the time, everything. Anyway, so Srivas was, uh, you know, changed his life. And for one year he lived like a devotee. So then on the day that it was supposed to happen, and the time, he decided, it was during the day, so he decided to go to a Bhagavatam lecture. So he went to this Bhagavatam lecture, and uh, it was upstairs in a house. And as the lecture is going on and he's listening to the Bhagavatam, he was suffocating. He's suffocating. So he decided to go on the balcony for a moment to get some air. He needed, he couldn't breathe. Then as he was on the balcony, he was getting dizzy. And as he was getting dizzy, he lost his balance and he just fell right over the edge of the balcony. And he's falling down to the ground when last minute he got caught mid-air by some stranger who put him on the ground and then walked away. And it said that at that moment, uh, Srivas Thakur felt the power, felt the, the mood of Narada Muni entering within him. Because Srivas is no different from Narada Muni. And it said that he went home, they brought him home, they carried him home, he could barely walk, they, he laid down on bed and was resting and slept till the next day. When the next day he woke up, he just decided to, to read some scripture. And the first book he picked up was the Naradiya Purana, the Brihat Naradiya Purana. And there in the Brihat Naradiya Purana, which verse is there? Harinama, Harinama, Eva Kevalam, Nasteva, 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 Kadhiranyata. Yes, very good. Yes, this verse, huh? this verse, he found this verse. So when he read the verse, because he, it was just, you know, after he was almost dead, when you almost die, you're very sensitive. At that point, you know, when you've returned, you're sort of like, I should have been dead, and I've just returned from, like, death, you know. At that point, you're very sensitive and you're very emotional, and you're sort of ready to, 
to make a fresh start. And therefore, when he read that verse, it really touched him and it, it took it to heart. And from that day on, Srivas, every night, had Kirtan in his house. Every night. And even the neighbors were saying, what is this Srivas doing? Partying every night, you know, the lady was always a party goer and see what he's doing now, you know. Because all night they're howling, howling, you know, you don't get any sleep in this place. Yes, others said, you know, he's chanting this Hare Krishna Mahamantra, right? But this is a big problem because the Muslim rulers, they will not like it, yes. And then, you know, if it is going on in our village, that could cause us big trouble. No, really, they could, you know, they, the soldiers could come and they could destroy our whole village. We should not tolerate this. We should immediately report him now so that we look good. We report him to the government and then it looks, then they know that we are not at fault. Mm, good idea. In this way, the politics were going on. In Srivas's house, the chanting continued, no matter what, every night. See, we should know that Srivas Thakur was a contemporary of Jagannath Misra and Mother Sachi, the parents of Lord Chaitanya, and that he was approximately 35 years older than Lord Chaitanya. So he's another generation, really. So Srivas introduced the chanting before Lord Chaitanya. Then, when Lord Chaitanya appeared in the world, and when Lord Chaitanya finally joined the Sankirtan movement, after he had, you know, spent his youth in Navadvip, and his father had died, and he had gone to Gaya to perform a strata ceremony for, uh, for his father, we also know he met his spiritual master, Iswara Puri, there, got initiated. Then when he came back, he had become a devotee. And, you know, in the house of Srivas, there was a courtyard. Right? And in the courtyard, there was a tree. And this tree, it was a transcendental tree. This tree had flowers in any season. Therefore, all the devotees would go there in the morning to collect flowers for their pujas. So the devotees, they, they went there in the morning to collect flowers for the pujas. And just like in India, you see all the ladies going to the well with pots of water on, or empty pots on their head. Well, they're going daily to the well, but not only to get water. Oh, no. They also go to get It all comes from the well. Yes, have you heard? No, no. Yes, yes, no, really. I heard directly from her. Directly, yes. This kind of, the wells are famous for, for this. Going to the well is for more than getting water. So all the devotees, they went to the courtyard of Srivas to pick flowers for their puja and all the devotees went, have you heard? Have you heard? Heard what? Heard what? Nimai. 
oh, another thing about Nimai. Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing scholar. No, 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 not that, not that. Then, then what? Nimai, Nimai has become a devotee. A devotee. Nimai, Pandit, a devotee. Yes, he's a devotee. Not only a devotee, he has become an ecstatic devotee. Ecstatic devotee? Yes. He was rolling on the ground in ecstasy in the house of Suklamba. No. So with my own eyes. Really, you saw it with your own eyes. Yes. Wow. Hey, psst. Have you heard? Have you heard? Nimai, Nimai. Have you heard? Nimai. Nimai. Hey, have you heard? I've got to tell you something. No, really. Oh, this you won't believe it. What is it? What is it? Nimai Pandit has become a devotee. Wow. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. So, in this way, you know, Lord Chaitanya's pastimes are unfolding. Uh -huh. And then, you know, Lord Chaitanya joined uh, the devotees. He revealed after some time, one day he went to the house of Srivas and uh, you know, that day particularly, there was trouble. Because news had come that some people had really gone to the government this time. No, no, they had really gone. It was not a rumor. You know, so many times it was a rumor. But this time they had really gone. And the government had said that they would send a boat with soldiers to arrest Srivas. So Srivas in his house, you know, doors locked, everything. Sort of really like uh, doing a puja to Lord Shingadev, you know. So he's sitting there, Shina, Shina, Jana, Shina, Jana, Jana, Shina, Gambira, Mahavishnu, Jalantam, Sarvadomu, Kam, And just at that time, Lord Chaitanya walked to the house of Srivas. And then, as Lord Chaitanya approached the house of Srivas, he just kicked the door. Full force. Oh, boom. So in the house, Namaste, Srivas saw the soldier come. Then with a thundering voice, Lord Chaitanya said, Srivas, Srivas, don't you know that the Lord you are worshipping has come to your door? So Srivas, Lord, 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 to my door, went to the door, opened the door, saw Nimai, and he realized it then and then, he saw it. He's, it is true, he is the Lord, he is the one we've been waiting for. Advaita Acharya had been worshipping, Haridas had been praying. Now the Lord had come. And he went to the altar, moved the shilas aside and sat down on the altar. <laughs> yeah. And then all the devotees came and they worshipped him. And yeah, from that day on, it became clear that Lord Chaitanya was the Supreme Lord. He gave some proof. I, I'll skip that part because it gets too long. And uh, so that's how Lord Chaitanya then continued the kirtans in the house of Srivas. And of course, when Lord Chaitanya joined these kirtans, they took on another dimension. At that time, the kirtans, they were like on another level. Although all the devotees, they, they were ecstatic as it was, but when Lord Chaitanya just chanted, it was just inconceivable. I mean, he was 
shivering, he was shaking, he was just throwing his body in the air. He was jumping, he was throwing his body in the air and he didn't look how he landed and rolling on the ground and tears everywhere. It was just inconceivable, inconceivable. And everyone, everyone just, just went mad. So the kirtans, uh, it said sometimes Lord Chaitanya would dance as if he tried to break the floor. I told this story in our kirtan Mela in Mauritius. And after that, the devotees broke the floor. <laughs> so, um, we are here now at this point um, where Lord Chaitanya has joined the Kirtan in the house of Srivas. Let's recap for a moment and then take our little break. Uh, so, first we had our first verse of the Sikhsastika. Uh, a verse that explains that the heart becomes purified by this chanting. And that, all, that the burning forest fire of material existence will be extinguished that we are entering into an ocean of happiness. So this transformation in us will be brought about by this chanting. So as I said, that's our anchor. We are chanting. We're chanting at any time like this. You know? Therefore, whenever the Holy Name is chanted, we chant. We chant it. We chant kirtan. We take shelter of kirtan. We take shelter of japa. We just... First of all, take shelter of the Holy Name ourselves for a purification. And then by sharing that Holy Name, um, that was the second element of my presentation. Lord Nichananda, Jagai Madai. And, uh, and we see um, that people, whoever appreciates we saw Lord Nichananda went door to door and whoever appreciates, they attract mercy. They'll become devotees. So that is something amazing um, to actually do something you know, in, in this crazy world. I don't know what you think about the world, but I think it's totally crazy. It's just too much. It's just... I was in the Czech Republic in the summer camp and one devotee had a drone, you know. It is like four, four little uh, helicopter blades and this frame with a camera. And the things fly high, you know, quite high. He says the thing can go one kilometer. This is pretty high. And anyway, even in the Czech Ratiatra, the thing was there again. This, this drone, of course, would follow the swamis. <laughs> what else do you do when you have a drone? You know, it's like. 
<laughs> Flaming <flame and> drones. <laughs> right. A world of drones, you know. Um, then I saw that they're using drones to get rid of the the IS, you know, drones with weapons on it. It's a crazy world. Huh? Drones, watch out, the drones are coming. <laughs> when the drones do come, close the windows. <laughs> um, yeah, so, strange world. Huh? Strange world, you know. Instant communication. Every word you say is recorded, recorded, recorded. It will be reproduced anytime on the internet when you don't want it. Yes, it will be there even when you're dead and when you're gone. You will be remembered for every stupid thing you said because it will be recorded, recorded, recorded. God, what a world we live in. It's a crazy world. Yeah, don't forget, you know, keep on, <laughs> keep it for eternity, you know, until the day the internet goes down, when it dissolves, bloop, and it's all gone, gigabytes, zigabytes, all disappeared. When the hard disk of the supercomputers crashes. That day I will dance, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Oh, when will that day come? That sounds really good. Because that day, we have to chant. Then it's not our phone that chants, but then, actually, we'll have to do it. If we don't do it, nobody will. All right. So, uh, the magic of sharing this, this Krishna consciousness. Um, what I'm thinking now is, it's quarter past 12, it's a good time for the break. And uh, it's actually not quarter past, it's 13 past, so that gives like 17 minutes till, till 12.30, which I think is reasonable. And if you're a minute late, I'll forgive you. If you're two minutes late, uh, I won't worry. If you're three minutes late, uh, we will uh, hit you with all the pillows. <laughs> so better be careful.
It's, it's a matter, I think I should just, just, just have to uh, wait.
Welcome back. So uh, the first uh, part of the of the, of the today's session was uh, my introduction, kind of of a, of a theme, and uh, now we have an hour, and I was hoping in this hour to digest it sort of more together, and 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 hear more from you, uh, discuss, and... Uh, yeah, we all... We all come from uh, different places, different situations. Someone said maybe we should introduce each other. Yeah, we can. We could. Still, we don't know who we really are, even after introduction. Maybe you were like a demigod in your last life. But I'd like to hear from, from all of you. Um, maybe some response from, on where we started off this morning. Give you a few minutes to sort of think about that. It's good for me to be quiet anyway, because my voice is really bad at the moment. So, who is who would like to say something? And you can begin saying where you're from, then at the same time. Uh, uh, my name is Chilani, I'm from Chile. Chile, yeah? And I was uh, thinking about that you said that, uh, the scripture that you said that when we chant Hare Krishna, uh, our hearts start to purify. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we chant Hare Krishna
Yeah, of course. It says, Anadir Bariyamukha. We are since time immemorial in the material world. We can Anadi, we cannot trace out when it began. So many lives. All these rea reactions from so many lives are there. That's why it, it's taking time. It still goes quick. But if you think about it, at least like in my life, big change from where I was to where I am now. And uh, okay, in uh, yeah, close to 40 years, total change, big change, really. And uh, in the end, it all comes together. Yes. During your life, you know, you think like, oh, difficult, struggle, but then it all disappears. All the material things, they all disappear. Mm. Only Krishna will stay. So it builds up and it will come to a more and more concentrated point, deeper focus. And then whatever you're, you're lacking at the time of death, then the mercy of Lord Chaitanya is there. Mercy of Nichananda, mercy of Prabhupada, mercy of the Vaishnavas. Then you can go back to So, if we would have to chant till we're completely, completely pure, huh? we're chanting, we're chanting, we're chanting, and still some anarthas are there, chanting more, still some anarthas are there. But it's not that, that all the anarthas have to be destroyed by us in sadhana, because the other element is by mercy, the anatas will be taken away. So when Krishna is pleased with our effort, he'll take away the rest. He'll just take it away. Not like pff, this chanting is like scrubbing, you know, uh, a pot that is very black. It's burned like anything. And now you have to scrub the thing. God, too much. Too much scrubbing. Still black. Oh, I'll never make it. My heart is black like coal. Scrubbing my heart. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. But still black like coal. Will it ever become pure? I don't know. No. If we are, it's not that we are the cleaners. Krishna will do it. We make an effort and Krishna will do the rest. You know the story of the sparrow and the eggs? Eggs laid, the sparrow laid eggs on the beach. The ocean came, grabbed the eggs. The ocean wouldn't, uh, you know, the eggs were gone. That little sparrow was very angry. He said, I want my eggs. Uh, give, give me my eggs, uh, ocean. Didn't care. But Garuda cared. Garuda came and Garuda said, I will drink your water now. Give those eggs. Then 
ocean gave the eggs. So in the same way, our little chanting, what will it do? How much will we become pure by our chanting? Our spaced out japa. Huh? Or our, our kirtan where we like the music more than the holy name. Huh? Will we, uh, will it be enough? If we sincerely try, we attract the mercy. Then go back to God. So we chant with faith. Okay, who else wants to introduce himself and say something? Question or whatever you say. Comment. Hi, Mr. Morris. My name is Sunil. I'm from UK. I thought so. <laughs> Whereabouts? Uh, I live about 20 minutes from the Bhaktivedanta Manor. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> um, for me, I think it was just you mentioned Tomkinson Square Park, and I was also in New York a month ago. And I was also there in Tonkinson Square Park. Wow. Um, and yeah, I remember sitting there and chanting there and then also praying. And then this stranger came up and he was, I don't know if he was a homeless person or, but he had this flute, like he had this recorded flute. And he came up to me and he was telling me just about, he said he was there when Prabhupada was there. And he was just, he was just speaking and then he, and we did a little kirtan. And then he gave me like flowers to offer because, you know, because he said that people used to come and offer big garlands. Yeah. But he said now he doesn't see many people offering garlands. So it was quite nice. He, he, had, he had a flower in his bag. He just gave it and then we both offered it. To, so it was quite a, a nice experience. But again, it was a bit strange. Just a guy from nowhere. <laughs> Maybe a demigod. <laughs> yeah. Disguised like a Yeah, very transcendental. Matchless gifts also, the storefront. Pah. Such an energy there. That's what happens. You see, like Prabhupada once said, no. he said, when the Harinam party goes through the street, it will purify all the people who are in the street. He said, but that's not all. It will also purify the street itself. And anyone who goes to the street after that, after the Harinam party is already gone, will become purified. So the same, you know, you can imagine Tonga Square Park, right? There's Prabhupada chanting there, matchless gifts, Prabhupada chanting there, such potency, it's inconceivable. I went through the matchless gifts and we had this kirtan and very relaxed kirtan. And the people got so into it that it's, it just, no one wanted to stop. So I stopped and then they all waited and they wouldn't go, they wouldn't get up and just sitting there. And so I said, well, what do you want? More kirtan. I said to this body who was managing it, I said, like, well, what are we going to do now? He said, more kirtan. <laughs> so he went to 11.30. Yeah. 
People missed their trains, they didn't know how to get on. But it was magic because of that potency, Prabhupada's potency. Teacher. No, no, no. Student. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm still a student here as well. <laughs> also from the UK? Yes, also from the UK. Manor? Yes. Panda Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. PS T shirt. Copenhagen? No, I live in Copenhagen also, but I live on um, Samsung. Small island. A small in island. Between Jotland and Sweden. Uh, oh. Nice islands. Danish, many islands. Yeah. Many what? Many islands in Denmark. Yes, there are many islands. I went, we went with Sachin Undermarch. We had two big sailing boats from North Germany, Kiel, each with 32 devotees standing on there. He had one boat, I had one boat. And we went to all the Danish islands. Um, 64 Hare Krishnas. <laughs> People were shocked. Yeah. So this element of the mercy is, is, is what's on my mind and how mercy is sort of um, if, you, if we share this mercy element in the chanting is what makes it <coughs> makes it uh, very attractive, um, because we all need some uh, uh, some relief. We all feel like some pressure in, in this world, and everyone is looking for some relief. So this chanting, it gives that, it gives relief. Um, sometimes yeah, people sense it immediately, in the beginning, I guess, we do it kind of intuitively. Right? We feel it, and that there's something to it, that it's more than ordinary sound. And we just... But then after a while, when we take it serious and we start to practice it, then we get into the... Well, we go from the hill down into the valley. Right? And there in the valley, it's sort of... Uh, still okay, but... Your old self is also still there. And it goes like that for a long time. Where we say, are we getting purified? Yeah, I guess we are, but in a way you feel like, I don't know if I'm getting purified. I feel I'm, I'm still very much like I always was. 
But what happens is they become attracted to Krishna. Little by little, some attachment to Krishna also wakes up. I experienced it a little bit like that when I became involved in Krishna consciousness for the first time. I went, uh, I was in the temple for an experiment. I said, like, I'm going to stay for a little while and see what it's like. And if I can do it, I'll do it. <coughs> but then, and I thought, well, if it's too much, I'll just leave. So after a while, I thought, it's just too much. I'm going. But then when I came home, I couldn't stop talking about Krishna. And, and my family and friends, they were ready to talk about Krishna for five minutes. And then they want to speak about normal things. And I realized that I couldn't do that anymore. I could speak about normal things for five minutes, but I just wanted to speak about Krishna. Then I realized, boy, it's gone deep. It's really affected me much more than I thought. I didn't notice it so much when I was in the process together with the devotees chanting. My mind was here and there and everywhere. And one moment I thought, this is really good. And the next moment I thought, I got to get out of here. You know? And I was going between those things. I said, this is what I always wanted to, I got to get out of here. And it's just going up and down between these two states of consciousness. But then I realized that I actually had gotten, gotten attached to Krishna. So we're, we shouldn't just look the, for the purification, for how much are we getting free from all the material contamination. We also see what well, we also begin to like Krishna, begin to develop some taste for, for Krishna. And at one point we realize, well, jeez, I have taste for Krishna and I have taste for Maya. Now what do I do? That's when we have to make a choice. Then you come to that um, story of the two dogs. You know, the story of the two dogs that are fighting. And which one's going to win? The one that you feed. So that stage where we are attracted to both, that's when the two dogs are fighting. And that's when we say, now feed the devotional dog and we will be, um, we will be, um, we'll wind up on the devotee side. But just now you're in the kirtan course and it increases attachment to kirtan. I mean, it definitely does. You know, you, you learn a few new tricks, you just, it, it, there is an absorption. Uh, it's kirtan, kirtan, kirtan. You do kirtan, you hear about kirtan. Kirtan immersion. And the result will be, is not from a, a summer in Radhadesh, you know, and you write it in your memoirs, you know. And in your memoirs, when you're 75, there will be one chapter called Summer in Radhadesh. Uh, um, and so that's not all it will be. It will be more. Um, it actually will permanently change 
our relationship with the Holy Name. We have a permanent effect that will sort of it will bring us to another level and we go on from there. Of course, if we, if we don't want to, we can block it out. We always have that choice to sort of say, okay, I will, uh, I will leave it. We can try that, but it's not so easy to leave Krishna. Sometimes we want to leave Krishna consciousness and then say, okay, it was very nice, appreciated, and but now I go on with my life. It's not so simple. Here in this Benelux Yatra, there was one devotee, he decided to do that. And then at one point he even wrote a book, you know, God, a blue boy. This is after years, right? He left, and years later he wrote a book called God, a blue boy. One day I met him on the street after that. And I said, just see how strong Krishna is. Even after all these years, you still have to write a book about him. Doesn't matter, it's a book of denial, but he's still on your mind. You, know, you can't forget him. See? It goes deep. So that's how, so it's not like, you know, this, ladies and gentlemen, this mantra, it washes so white, white, whiter is not possible, you know, like sparkling everything in moments, you know, I mean, just <laughs> we come from this culture, you know, where everything is just like instant, instant, you know, boom, 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 Harkishna, get purified, woo, it's like, not exactly, it, it works deep, right? it goes, it works on a deep level, and it just doesn't go away. You know, Krishna doesn't go away. Can't forget him. Once you've gone to a certain involvement with Krishna, then even if one externally walks away, internally Krishna's still there. And so in that way, the transformation is, is, is happening to us. And sometimes... Well, as our attachment to Krishna increases, we have to choose to give up our material attachments. And it can take a while. Like me, I was very attached to guitar. I used to play, before Krishna consciousness, eight hours a day, guitar, from morning till night. And I was into music. And, uh, but then I joined Krishna Consciousness in Vrindavan. After a short time, I came back to uh, my own country, the Netherlands, for a while. And then, uh, then I went back to India. So in India, in Vrindavan, guitar was something foreign, you know. And at that time, we were quite... The mood very much was to bring nothing foreign into no Western things into Vrindavan. Yeah? So no guitar. <laughs> so I refused to play harmonium. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I will not play that thing. Okay? It's for a long time, really. Um, from 1978 to 1995, I refused to play harmonium. <laughs> <laughs> Only in 95 did I start. But what was I doing? I was playing guitar in my mind during boring Bhagavatam lectures. <laughs> this, what can I say? Uh, the chords were just playing in my head. Whole melodies were playing in my head. I could hear, I could just, I could hear them in my mind. What to do? <coughs> but now, <coughs> now it's gone. No, it's okay, because what happened was, I was, even when I would play guitar, I used to first play alone, and then that didn't satisfy me anymore, and then I wanted to play and sing for people, because I felt that music is communication, if it's just me and that music, it's a little dry. I was very attached to that instrument. But nowadays, I don't really play an instrument anymore. Nowadays, I play the people. That's what I'm playing. When I lead a kirtan, I don't play the instrument. I play the people. Yeah. I'm trying to bring everybody just with me in a particular mood. Oftentimes it's, uh, well, a wild ecstatic one. That's what I'm sort of notorious for. But it's not all I do. I also do with smaller groups of people other things. More meditative. But, um, I'm playing the people. And yeah, in a kirtan, that's what we want. It's, it's meant to bring people in, right? It's meant, it's, a, it's ultimately about Krishna. It's not about who, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, who can, who can sing the best of all, right? You know, it's not about that. It's, uh, so it has to be inclusive. So alankar, decoration, in kirtan is very nice, right? You know, a little bit uh, of decorative notes or bring the bring variety. Variety is the spice of life. But too much decoration. And then it's, it's just like dressing deities. When you dress deities, if you put all the flowers in front of Krishna's face, right, then you haven't decorated Krishna. You're just like, you know, you have to bring out Krishna's beauty. Right? So the idea is like, okay, somehow bring out the beauty of his face and various colors come back and combinations and Um, 
we had this one French Pujari, Prabhupada disciple, who used to in Vrindavan for many years. Prabhupada told him that he should dress all the deities. So he was dressing all the deities in, in Krishna Balaram Mandir. So that's a lot of deities, you know. So every morning, and he was just like so expert, so no one else, you know, he was just like next. And every day it was totally different. You never knew what you would expect. Some days the whole thing was like like no color, like only color in the head, you know, in the in like you just like next day super multicolor this, that. Every day it was totally different. Um, but always about the deed, bringing out the deity. So this is something uh, in Kirtan also. It's the holy name. Eh? So when the alankar, the decoration becomes too much, like sometimes the instruments, and there's so many instruments, you know, like constantly a flute, beep, 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 at one point. At night I'm lying in my bed and I'm just hearing this this flute, you know, still echoing in my head. Whereas, it's the name. If we really chant and are absorbed, then in the morning you wake up and the, and the kirtan is still playing in your head. Have you ever experienced it? Huh? No? It happens. You know, if, if we get absorbed in kirtan, that we just wake up and the kirtan is still going on. That means the whole night you sleep. <laughs> now that's when it gets transcendental. That's when sleeping gets to another level. More from you. Agomas. such a rebellious feeling in me. Like, I yeah. want to run and scream and say, 
like this is such a manly world to me and my understanding of all these rules are so it's not I don't I feel I don't want to be a part of anybody who needs all these rules and I'm really struggling with that uh, because it makes the scripture so inaccessible to me because I can't see through that layer of 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 of, of man's society man's rules um, and and it's really burdened Uh, I understand. Um, as you're from Denmark, I'm from Holland, you know, which is close, culturally close also. Um, and we also have that, you know. So. Um, I guess um, I became impressed by Prabhupada somewhere in as a person who um, who was who was clearly himself beyond rules and yet uh, would give rules also for others, for his followers but explained also why and from him I could accept it um, otherwise I could not have accepted it so easily um, He showed, you know, to like at all times to be focused on Krishna, to always be transcendental, uh, not affected. Like there's there's a story that he went to in San Francisco to this farm where a lot of people, men and women, were living naked, you know, in. and. Um, now, yeah, it's like in the 60s and 70s, such things were going on. And nowadays, the rainbow people, right, they also do at times. Um, the Prabhupada was not like distracted by that, you know, that people were not wearing clothes. That didn't distract him at all because, which is, you know, you can be a liberal, right? Or you can be a conservative. If you're conservative, you'll say, oh, how is this possible? How can these people walk around? It's a shame. It's a disgrace. It should be stopped. Huh? That's one approach you could have. How degraded can they be? Oh, look at that. Or if you're a liberal, you can say, well, you know, different folks, different strokes, and, you know, live and let live. And, if they're happy with this, then, you know, let them, let them be happy with it. That's all right. But lust is such a thing. In this world, we all are afflicted by lust, which is selfish desire. Desire for personal enjoyment. 
That lust extends everywhere. It even it extends to wanting to possess things. And ultimately, it, is, it, it comes out in sexual desires. And sexual desire, yeah, to be, to be free from any self-interest is not so simple. And it's very easy to reduce a person to a lust object, where we don't even care about the person, but just about the body. So, if we would have to go in a naked, naked assembly, it might be difficult for, for, for our minds to sort of say, okay, well, I'm not going to look too much, you know, to the right. You know. <laughs> look straight, you know, look at some. Uh, if I would be preaching in a naked assembly of both men and women, I might sort of look at a, at a man who's not so beautiful, you know, and just keep my eyes on that side, you know, so speak, but I wouldn't like move my head around the crowd, you know, <laughs> just like, for example, I might go for that strategy. Because somewhere, these things affect us. So Prabhupada showed very much that he was not affected. He had a kirtan with uh, those people. They even started dancing. And he was honestly just happy that they were chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and that they had a kirtan. And he didn't care about the bodies, you see. It's like someone else might, you know, chant the Hare Krishna, chant the holy name and then catch a breast in the corner of the eye or, you know, whatever. Right, and be a little bit distracted. So, Prabhupada showed that he was completely, 100% just there on the spiritual, in the spiritual world. His only interest was the spiritual world. But, it says there's another level, you know, where one's feet are in, this, in the material world, but one's eyes are on the spiritual world. That is also a very high level, uh, because most people's eyes are everywhere. So if your eyes are on the spiritual world, it's a very high level. But at that state, where the feet are still on the material world, that's where some, some rule and some restriction becomes relevant. When one's feet are in the material world, and one's eyes are everywhere due to attachments, then we, we may need more discipline in our life. And that's where some rules come in. Now the rules are described, uh, it said, Smartavyam satatam vishnu vismartavyo najata sit sarva vidini seda shu etio eva kinkaram. All the rules and regulations, they are the servants of one purpose. And that purpose is to always remember Krishna, to never forget him. The rules are known as Vidi and Niseda. Vidi are rules of positive cultivation. You must chant Hare Krishna, right? which is like, you know, we give it as like a regulated principle, but you know, it's a positive one. 
or prohibitions. No meat, no fish, no, no gambling, no, these things. Um, so one starts both with prohibitions and with the positive one. Of course, as you say, after a, I don't want to eat meat. Right? That's it. You know, it's like, who in the world wants to eat meat, right? I mean, it's horrible, right? Eating and eating another living being, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's like something I don't want. Gambling, come on, you know, it's a stupid thing, right? I don't want to do that, you know? Alcohol, been there, done that, glad it's over. Right? All these things. So, uh, one gets to the point where one doesn't want to do it anymore. And where one understands that the Bhagavad Gita speaks about the regulative principles of freedom. You follow these, these principles and you become free from uh, being caught up in a, in a brutal thing. It's like someone who is like under my guidance, right, was living at home, and his father slaughtering animals in the back in the garden. And in that country, it was possible. So he's doing this. His father is doing this. And I just go like. And then he asked me. He said, "Should I stay in the house?" I said, "Like, how can you stay there?" He said, "But if I don't stay there, I will not get the house." But if I stay there, then when my father dies, then I'll get the house. He said, yeah, you may get the house, but you also get all this. Every day you have to see this horrible thing. Get out of that house now. Forget the house, you know. I mean, what's a house, you know? How can you watch this every day? Um, so, sometimes, so, so you can see this person needed a regulative, a regulation. You know, I needed to tell him, no, don't stay in the house. But I won't get a house. A house is a big thing. It's not like, you know. Yeah, but this is even bigger. You cannot see this brutal killing every day and develop your love for God, right? How can you, you know. When you see something like that, you just have to walk away. You have to do something to stop it or at least go away. So that's why, by these examples, you know, the lust I gave, the brutal situation now, some rules and regulations are needed depending on our level of consciousness. There where we have the higher consciousness, we don't need defenses, but externally we keep them a, to help others who do need defenses, and B, just in case we have a moment of weakness. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm a sannyasi, I'm 62 years old, I have been married, I, I've had girlfriends, I have it all, you know, and now it's over. I mean, I, I really sort of feel that that part's 
Okay, it's behind me now. It doesn't make sense in my life. But, and I, 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 emotionally, it's behind me. Still, I wouldn't put it to, a, to an extreme test. Why would I? I don't think it's necessary to do that. So, I wear these clothes. Because it's a, it's a culture, it, it, it sustains my vows, it sustains this, this life that I'm living. So externally I keep this because it's an additional support. Why would I? Maybe I'm beyond it. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to try it out. I'll just stay safe. I'm from this age, you know. I wasn't always in the garb of a, a, a holy man. Once upon a, I was a Holland man, you know, from Amsterdam and all that. In the 60s and the 70s, what can I say? It was a time when taboos were broken. I broke some. And with that, and now, Yeah, and all that didn't do me good. So culture has two sides. Culture is is confining. In our village, there you can't you can't dress like that. In our village, people don't speak like that. You know, you know in our community, we don't. Ex it's very suffocating. We want to get out of the village. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I also feel that this movement is like a village. Yeah? It's the, the Hare Krishna village. And sometimes my mind also wants to get out of the village. Yeah? But the other side of culture is cultivation. That's the positive aspect. The cultivating a certain, you know, to be humble. Easier said than done, you know. Try and be humble. It's clear that being humble has more value for our dependence on God than being proud. But now, let's be humble. Good luck. Huh? How to be humble? Some, okay, let's, let's try that one. The how to be humble question. Can I ask you? Please tell me what I can do. I'm hopelessly lost. All these years, still didn't make it. How to be humble? You have to be defeated. I have to be defeated. By something with you think that it's, it's, not, so, it's not possible. It couldn't be. <coughs> defeated by life or defeated by a person or something like that? I have to be defeated. Yeah. Okay. You have to stop thinking about yourself so much. Stop thinking about myself so much. Yeah. But uh, it's easier said than, than done, you know. Get up in the morning and I have a headache, you know what I mean? And I have so many things to do. And, you know, it's like, 
I have to survive. I mean, most of the time I'm just surviving. I and keeping my head above water. So it's not so easy not to think about yourself so much. Yeah, for me it's mostly just letting go of the outcome. Because I should not be humble in what I do. I mean, not I, sh I should do what I do. I should do it with, with pride and joy and do the best I can, but let go of what comes afterwards. That for me is being humble. Mm -hmm. Speak my best and let it go. Well, yeah, I mean, I like that because I, I, I kind of connect humility to honesty. And so it's like if you want to be humble, you first have to be honest. Yeah? And when you're honest, you have to admit that, like, you know, who we really are. And when we admit who we really are, well, you know, then we come across a little list of shortcomings automatically. So your approach is sort of going in that direction of honesty, of being just... And when you're really honest, yeah, then you'll be humble because you realize that I'm not, I'm not the greatest on earth, I'm not the most intelligent, I don't have all the chips. Yes? <laughs> and the one finds it the most difficult uh, to learn the instruments from scratch. Yes. So it's, it's a very humbling experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? I'm from Ireland. Ireland? Yeah. You play other instruments? No, that's the problem. I see you never had a musical, because Irish people are quite musical. Yeah, we have, um, my first piano teacher used to slap on the back of the hand. I so see. So I then, piano. So you rebelled. <laughs> it wasn't very hard to make me rebel. Yeah. 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 I see. Hmm. That can be very simple. The rhythm, of course, we need a rhythm that we have to learn these cartels somehow or other that we get the beat so that we are together. Otherwise, if everyone has his own rhythm, then it starts to. But yes, humility is the uh, topic. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just muse for a moment. I used to give lectures, but now I'm getting older and I begin to meditate instead of like speaking and answering. You know, I like to think about things. So, in the same way, when you're older, you cannot learn all the techniques. 
but the techniques take a little longer, but yeah. the, but the, uh, the depth of the experience is different. Because, you know, that's, you start to think, I don't have so much time, you know? See, I, I don't know how old you are, I'm not going to ask. You don't it's know how okay, I'm only three years younger than you, but I'm only starting on the spiritual <laughs> path. So I'm a slow learner. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I can tell you that I think sometimes, well, if I get 70, no one will say I didn't get old. That's only eight years away, you know? Seven and a half. That's not long. It's not much. Jeez. But if I get <clears throat> less than that, okay, someone say, well, he was not that old, but can go. So when you're older and you take two things, you take <clears throat> to them in a, yeah. Sometimes in a more definite way, we say, okay, take it more serious, somewhat more deeper. So it's a special benefit. No, I'm very happy. I'm blessed. Yeah, so it's nice you're here. Yeah. Mm. Hands over here. Um, one aspect of humility is accepting praise, but realizing that visibility comes from. I'm the ability in man, Krishna says. I'm the taste in water, and in the same verse he says, I'm the ability in man. My tricky mind uh, lured me into being proud of my humility. Yeah, it's a familiar syndrome, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do something else. <laughs> yes. Still, it's so, so connected with this chanting Bhārya Krishna, right? Lord Chaitanya says that we wear this as the thread around our neck and we are stringing the holy name on this thread of humility. So that's why it's very relevant uh, as, a, as a topic. It will come up a little later in the Sikhsastika. But here we are. One cannot be humble, but one can take a humble position. So it's like we can, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm going to be so humble, I'm so humble, I'm so humble, 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 humble bumblebee. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we can take a humble position. If we take a humble position, that, me that means we don't take credit. We give the credit to someone else. That we can do. That's purifying, because the tendency is just like, you know, I did it. 
Uh, And you can't say anymore, I did it. Then what will we say? Yeah, let's say it's like, that's purifying though, if you do. So that's a technique. So again, the rules and regulations, they're also techniques. Right? This is just some techniques, some meditation techniques. You can say, well, you know, Meditate, why do I have to keep my spine straight? You know what I'm saying? I like to keep my spine like this. I feel very comfortable and my spine is kind of bent. But I guess, you know, they know that better breathing, ultimately, if the spine is straight, it's all right. There's a discipline, you know, there's a technique. So chanting also does a technique, I guess. And, and that really also comes with the intention Sure. And, and that's really where I'm coming from because because I come from a very suppressed society mm. where a lot of things as uh, rules and as a, there's a lot of regulations around everything and really you know uh, for a lot of, for like 99 of the population people come out as rebels uh, and they come like like one of the one, of course my favorite would be sexuality like um, this thing about like 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 all the rules around sexuality actually <coughs> creates the repressed mind that will really want what it cannot have. Mm -hmm. Whereas if everything is allowed, then the the, the morality of the, the godly morality will, will just will, will blossom and it will not be interesting. It will just disappear. So this repression thing is uh, is, is is what is, is kind of what yeah. I'm struggling with. Yeah, what will repression accomplish? Right? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, according to Bhagavad Gita, oh, this, we're almost finishing now. According to Bhagavad Gita, uh, there are three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. So, a person in goodness would be more of that nature which you are speaking about. A person in passion would take undue advantage mm -hmm. if you relax all the rules and a person, a person in ignorance would just uh, would not be able to control himself. So like for example they say in the Vedic culture the Brahmins who were in goodness they would not get uh, rules, all kinds of laws that would restrict them. Basically, scripture would restrict them. Yeah? Uh, spiritual teachings would restrict them. And they would accept that as God's will yeah? being revealed in scriptures. But socially, there would not be a lot of restriction on them. Uh, then the Ksatriyas, they were the rulers and the warriors, they were very passionate. So they allowed them to have many women because they're a big, powerful man. You know, it's like, okay, let's have more than one. Uh, 
The Vaishyas were business people. The Kshatriyas were very principled, though. They were upholding principle. The Vaishyas, they were people, principle okay, but when it comes to, so they were very intelligent, knowledgeable, but when it came to the choice between principle and profit, and say, well, what can you do? Go for the profit. The Sudra was the simple man, not so intelligent, more driven by instincts. And such a man needed some protection, because if that man was given like unlimited facility, he would, too much money, he might just uh, kill himself by drinking too much, yes? just, just not being able to control it. Yes? So there is a class of people that just can't control themselves. With. So what you're proposing, according to you know, our teachings, depends on which class of people it's for. Those in goodness, those in passion or in ignorance. Those in goodness, yes, they can have the luxury of having the right behavior based on higher understanding. <coughs> but those in, in the lower realms of society, they need to be controlled to an extent. It's forbidden. That's, that's the answer of the Vedic culture. Which I can, I can see that there is, you know, there's truth to it. I mean, you're from Copenhagen, I'm from Amsterdam. I've seen, I've seen in Copenhagen, in the Blaugarten, you know, I've seen so many people that had gone too far. Right? They, they needed rules <coughs> to sort of bring them out of their So it's complicated. <laughs> rules and no rules. Who is it for? And you cannot just say no rules. I think then what will happen is the more elevated people would be able to do that, but not everybody. And then the low class people will take over. And I know some places like that which are lawless places. And I know some lawless places because I travel a lot. And there the low life is in control. And the people who are more in goodness, they, they're hiding. Anyway, for whatever it's worth, my five cents. Uh, it's time for filling the tank. So that's also important. So thank you very much. So I come back tomorrow. And what time do I come back?